You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan N. Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. I've been a member of the Institutional Review Board, IRB, at UNC for 16 years, and most of those years I've been a co-chair. Uh, and we've always done a, a lot of research, but over the last decade, uh, UNC is increasingly doing research and in some very new uh, and culturally complex, complex areas. So we have researchers studying um, the more recent Horn of African Immigrants, uh, in Greeley and in as far as Fort Morgan and such in the school systems through um, areas like school psychology. We have people starting to look at well, what does it mean um, when Saudi Arabians are going to higher education at UNC. And, and this is not just a phenomenon at UNC, but higher education in the United States. And how um, do teachers teach groups that are so diverse and will have belief systems that just are actually opposed to each other and still have an inclusive classroom. Uh, a huge change in UNC has been um, deliberately interview, uh, researching um, undocumented people. And so I've been so impressed with how the university has sought to uh, adhere to the ethics that we need to adhere to from our disciplines and from our federal government. It, it's a must. Uh, it can be really frustrating, but we reframe it instead and say, we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problems that occurred historically when we think about something like the Nazi research or in the United States, the Tuskegee syphilis research. And there's much nearer examples than that. Uh, but we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And so one great example is when we first started having people say, well, how do I, I can still remember a student grabbed me in the hall and said, you know, Dr. Lehman, how do I have someone sign a form saying I'm undocumented? And I said, yeah, that can't be. We, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I went to the literature and to the federal regulations, and we have always had groups that did not sign consent forms for religious reasons. So, for example, a group of natives does not sign forms, and so we have a way of doing an oral consent or a witness consent, and so we can put in these other structures so that we can do this very important research but not have the person at the same time actually signing that they're doing something that that, that is uh, undocumented or of course, we always have research on things that are illegal, like um, there was a great study out of um, sport looking at uh, scalpers. So do you want a scalper to sign a form saying, oh, I'm a scalper? So again, we did a witness type consent. And so UNC has worked really hard. Um, I'm sh I know that the Institutional Research Board uh, feels irksome to people. But in general, compared to my experience at other universities, we've worked really hard to promote that because research ethics at UNC is actually all about us doing more research and doing it correctly. Uh, I don't want to say correctly, doing it ethically uh, so that all of us as a community can contribute because that's what universities are about. I'm really excited. I have my first textbook that came out. Ethics and Social Science Research, Becoming Culturally Responsive. And I was really fortunate that SAGE is the house that worked with me on that. Um, SAGE, of course, is the major 
textbook that I use as a qualitative methodologist or researchers in general use SAGE quite, quite highly. When I started writing the book, um, it was a compilation of uh, articles that I was deliberately writing thinking towards developing a book prospectus. And the, the article that kicked it all off is called Always Othered, Always Othered Ethical Research with Children. And so I put this notion forward that because of developmental blocks between children and adults perceptually, that no matter how much we want to understand children, they are going to remain always othered. Now, in the literature, people don't always agree with me on that. Um, and I don't see it as a depressing stance so much as if we acknowledge that, we're actually at a better point than if we truly think we understand children. A lot of what we know about children is mediated through our memory and uh, through our own personal experiences with early childhood. And I talk about that in the book. Then children were also positioned as vulnerable, uh, both by the early childhood literature, typically the traditional literature, and by the federal government. And yes, they are vulnerable. They're vulnerable in their legal status, their size, their development, developmental capabilities. But children are also highly capable and competent and resilient. They can go through incredible experiences and come out the other end uh, as survivors. Children are amazing. And so I've challenged the notion of vulnerability as saying uh, vulnerable yet capable and competent. So then I took this idea to frame the whole book. And I, I was just really intrigued by how many similarities I saw between people being patronizing and paternalistic to uh, LGBT groups, refugees, uh, immigrants. Um, and so I took this, uh, the homeless, I took this notion and developed this with colleagues. We had conference papers, articles, and then these became the exemplar chapters in this text. The front of the text does review uh, the development of institutional uh, research boards at the international level. They're called research ethics boards. Institutional research board is missing a very important word, which is ethics. Uh, and the institutional part doesn't make much sense, so that it's not the best acronym. So in the book, I like to use the word research ethics boards, which is what we see more. And along with an overview of research ethics boards and the exemplar chapters I've referred to, this book also has a lot of rich features for both a person to engage with themselves or for course instruction. So for example, there's text boxes where social science researchers, uh, some of these would be um, students at UNC or professors at UNC, uh, give ethical dilemmas in first person and talk with how they grappled with them. And these aren't always solved. Uh, I deliberately left them unsolved so that I had a sense that if the researchers solved them or I solved them, it becomes a fact rather than the reader being able to bring their lens to it and think through, well, what would I do? So these are good, good discussion points. I also have course activities that we've actually done in our own classes uh, where people can think about um, how to engage with the topic and extend your learning. There's resources uh, from the internet and reading resources for further engagement. And then at the end of the chapter, there's a series of questions that I call reflexive questions to um, emphasize that it's not a static uh, thinking about it, but it's going to be dynamic and you can very well change your mind about it later. And so there's a lot of questions. For example, with a homeless, we want to think about what does a home mean as opposed to a house? And so these are two very different things. So when we discuss that in class, people start to think about, well, maybe a, the sense of home could be in a car and someone could have a lovely house and it won't feel like a home. And so those are the kind of discussions that we try to have. 
Uh, there's also examples in the appendices of ethical frameworks that students have developed. So, for example, there's one where gerontologist student Elizabeth Smith developed a perspective saying um, about if you're if you're an elderly person, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily vulnerable, that you actually have to have some kind of um, reduction in your mental ca capacity. And so she, there's about five, I think there's five full examples in the appendices of students' papers. And then I also included a syllabus for my research ethics class. I have a one-hour research ethics class that I've had the privilege to teach at UNC, and really it teaches me more. So I have students from all the social sciences that will take it. I personally think that it should be required for a graduate student to take the course. Um, recently, hmm, Applied Statistics Research Methods has required it for all of our students. And in that class, we engage with a, a lot of rich literature that's around dilemmas um, beyond IRB. Uh, and then each student writes up a dilemma that they have, and we pose it in each class, and the class discusses and dialogues around what should have happened. And all this is moving towards, then they write a, a short ethical stance that I call aspirational. So it looks to something that they would like to aspire to be over their professional career and in different areas. So for example, a student lately wrote one about um, how we should think about gender when we're doing research. Um, also a student wrote about that, uh, shouldn't we consider everybody vulnerable? Which is controversial because if we consider everybody vulnerable, are we not considering a group that has historically been very vulnerable? And so it's, it's an interesting discussion point. Um, I had someone write about, would you go to jail over not uh, giving, if the federal government asked for information about a participant, would you be willing to go to jail for that? And so we have all sorts of different and exciting ethical stances that they write, which some of these developed into chapters in the book. But that's kind of the main piece of that class. Um, and can you imagine how much I learned from that? I'm Maria Lehman and I'm a professor in Applied Statistics and Research Methods in the College of Education and Behavioral Sciences, and specifically, I'm the qualitative methodologist for that program. So by that, I mean I teach uh, courses from introductory to qualitative research, to narrative inquiry, uh, educational ethnography, um, writing qualitative research, for example. And, <laughs> and I also teach social science research ethics. <laughs>